Maybe you've asked that question before. Why you dutifully roll out of bed each Sunday, especially this Sunday when it's like negative seven degrees outside, right? Why bother? Why bother with church? Well, this series in January, this is kind of a spiritual reboot for us for 2018 where we'll talk about different dimensions of living out the Christian life. And so today we want to talk about uh, what it looks like to worship in, in a consumer culture. And so uh, we're going to look at the book of Acts, where it paints a picture of what the church was meant to look like. And so uh, what I'm going to do is, uh, the words will be up on the screen, but we're going to read a passage in Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 to 47. Follow along uh, on your phones or in your Bibles or uh, the words on the screen. This is uh, how they describe the early church Uh, in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so here's a picture of the early church in Acts chapter 2. And so what I want to do is take this picture and kind of compare and contrast that with a few contemporary images that I think captures how many of us think of church, which I think leads us down kind of a, a wrong framework and perspective of what the church is. Okay, so just a a few contemporary images here and how that compares to this uh, first century church. Uh, Last weekend, uh, we were away visiting the in-laws out in Philadelphia, and and we visited another church. And and I have to admit, the mentality that I came into this church, right, it it was a video venue, and it was was a a pretty good-sized church. I kind of came in kind of like with the perspective of a movie critic, Right? Have you ever come to church with that attitude? Right? We, we come in, like, it's like coming to a movie theater. Right? Where you, you usually go to a movie theater on the weekends, usually, and you stay for an hour or two. And the purpose of going to a movie theater is to be entertained, right? maybe inspired. And so when, when we're there, at the end of the service, we walk out, and what do you think the first thing I do or say is after, after the service? I turn to my wife, and I, 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 it's like, what do you do? You, you put on your movies hat, movie critic's hat, and you evaluate everything that you just experienced. I mean, you do this at movies, right? You walk out of the movie. How many of you have seen the new Star Wars, right? You walk out, and you're like, hey, what would you think of the movie? Well, I thought it was a bit long, but the, it had a really great ending, so I give it a two thumbs up or something like that. I want us to think about how we tend to approach church because subconsciously that is the mentality that we come in here with, right? So I walk out and I ask Amy, hey, what'd you think, right? What'd you think of the video? What'd you think of the music, right? Oh, I, I, I didn't like this as much, but this was really great. And so we think of ourselves as the audience as we come to church, right? We've come here to be entertained, to be inspired, hopefully, Maybe you laugh at times, maybe you cry a little or something, and as you walk out, we sit there critiquing everything that we experience, as if church is a performance and we are the audience. Now, I I think it's really clear, especially when we read Acts chapter 2, 
as the church, and I want to make this clear for us this morning too, you are not the audience here. Right? You are not here to be entertained, and you are not the reason why we have all gathered here together. Right? There is an audience here today, but you're not it. Right? God is the audience. He is the person or, or the object of our worship and our attention and our focus here every week. And so we see this in the early church. They didn't gather just to kind of uh, for an hour or two to be entertained. Rather, remember we read that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Right? This word devoted means that they, were com- they committed themselves to, to God's word. That This was a way of life for them. Right? The God's word was the foundation upon which they based their values on and built their beliefs around. The word of God was a compass that guided their decisions and directed all of their aspirations and ambitions. And so for us as a church, coming together, we don't come together for an hour or two every week to be entertained. Rather, we gather to commit our entire lives to hearing and obeying God's word. Right, earlier on in this chapter, in Acts chapter 2, it's really interesting, but uh, the first sermon is preached, and it's interesting to read about the response of the people after the sermon. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard the sermon, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? And I think that's a really good prayer for us, right? That whenever we gather here, That is the spirit in which we hear God's word being taught, right? Where we humbly ask God, in response to your word, what area of my life do you want me to grow in? And so when we walk in here, the approach, we we don't ask, well, how was it? Instead, my hope and prayer is that we begin to ask, we begin asking a different set of questions, namely this, What is God saying to me? What is God saying to me through the word and through the message? And what am I going to do about that this week? Right? My prayer every week before I preach, and I pray for you who are here uh, every week, and my prayer is that you will not leave here the same as you came in. That somehow God's spirit will work in you and you will leave a different person. But that is never going to happen as long as you and I think that we are the audience. And so this first image, right, the the church as a movie theater. The church is not a movie theater, and we are not the audience. God is our audience, and we are simply worshipers, right? I think that's one one image that we mistake uh, in the church. I think another image that comes to mind when we describe the church is that of a store, Right? On any given week, uh, we walk into a store, we go up and down the aisles looking for what we want and the prices we like. Right? And, and if you don't find what you want, or, or if it's too expensive, right, uh, what do you do? You simply go to another store. And this is a mentality that has become so prevalent in the American church to the point that when I'm talking to somebody, especially when they're visiting on Sundays, and and they don't mean anything by this. This is simply just the way we've been taught by the culture. uh, People will say to me, well, we're just what? Church shopping, right? And and let me say this, right? Because I'll add the church has certainly been complicit in fostering this kind of mentality, right, this, this, this consumer mentality, 
right? But this is not what we find in the early church. We find a group of people who are committed to what, they, what was called fellowship, right? In other words, they were deeply devoted to one another. How devoted are Black Friday shoppers to one another, right? I mean, if you've ever gone early on, or early on, uh, on a Black Friday, right? Shoppers make sure that if there's only one item left on the shelf, who's going to get it? They are. If there's long lines at the checkout counter, they're going to make sure they go to the shortest ones. And so shoppers make sure that everything is catered to them. But the early church saw themselves not as shoppers, but it's interesting in verse uh, 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Right? They, they didn't see themselves as shoppers, they saw themselves as, as family. There was a deep sense of unity, and they were members of one family where they had everything in common. Well, they didn't have everything in common, right, did they? I mean, no, I mean, they, they, had, they had different opinions, they had diff- different preferences, they, they, had, uh, they liked different things, but, but what this is saying is it's, it is as if they had everything in common because of who they had in common in Jesus Christ. And so the early church was known as a family, and, and that's my prayer for us as a church this year, that we would grow to be a a, a strong family, to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. A a while back, I was reading a a story about uh, two guys named Gary and Randy, right, who worked together delivering furniture to customers. And, And on a regular basis, as they would come and deliver furniture, the customers would often say to them, more often than not, you know, you two guys look a lot alike, right? And if you look at their picture and if you read the article, I mean, they do, right? Look at them. I mean, they look a lot alike. And, you know, they just pass it off as coincidence. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, oh gosh, I guess furniture uh, delivery guys just have a certain kind of look. But then a law changed in the state of Maine that allowed Randy, who was adopted, to kind of see what was on the certificate. So he did some research and found out that his biological parents had already passed away, but that he had a brother uh, who was one year different than he was, born on June 10th, 1974. So he didn't think much about it, and one day, until one day, he's driving along again. They're both uh, making another delivery to another customer when the customer says to them again, Right, man, it, you two look so much alike. It, it's almost like there's some kind of family resemblance. And as they were driving back to the store, Randy thought, well, why not? So nonchalantly, he asked Gary, hey, Gary, when's your birthday? Gary's answer, right, you see this coming, June 10th, 1974. Immediately, Randy knew right? It turns out that they are brothers, right? They have been, they have the same mom and dad. They've been spending all this time together working the same job, and everyone is saying there's a family resemblance to you. I I love one thing that the article says. It says this, there's nothing like family, especially when you didn't know you had one, right? And that's what happened with with this story, right? Uh, There's And you know what? I see this all the time, right? This happens all the time here at Grace, right? People who discover they have brothers and sisters who live down the street from them in the same neighborhood who who are members of the church. 
and now they're sharing life together. Some of you even come here, and I see this quite often too. You come here, and you see somebody that you know from school or work, and you go, oh my goodness, there's my professor, right? Or, oh my goodness, there's some students of mine. And you realize, like, oh my goodness, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people, these are family members that you never knew you had. And so I want to challenge you, some of you who have been coming for a while and you've been hesitant to join a community group. And you could come up with a dozen reasons why not to, right? I'm too busy. I don't know anybody. I don't know the Bible enough. I've been hurt by the church. Right? And so you're afraid to make that kind of commitment. You're afraid of what it's going to cost you. You're afraid of getting hurt again. You're afraid of being judged. You're afraid of being disappointed. But really, this, being in a family is where the real joy is. Right? And let me say this. Uh, what I see over and over and over again in the life of this church is this. There is a night and day difference when hardships come your way, when trouble strikes, when you are overwhelmed by stress and all the demands of life, I, I see two groups of people and there is a night and day difference. People who are connected in a community group and those who aren't. And more often than not, this is the difference that I see. That uh, the people who are connected in a community group, no matter what comes their way, the way they respond to life's most difficult challenges is night and day difference than those who are not connected. Just this past year, I think of all the issues that I and our staff and our pastors have walked through with some of you. And these aren't just like easy issues. Domestic abuse, divorce, mental illness, tragic car accidents, people losing their jobs, even people losing a child. I mean, imagine losing a child. I remember talking to somebody soon after uh, they lost a child. I, I mean, a few weeks afterwards. And I said, oh, man, I'm just so sorry to hear what happened to you. And you know what they said to me? You know, they said, you know, thank, so, thank you so much for caring. But you know what? We're okay. Our community group has been walking with us through this entire thing. That doesn't happen with people who aren't connected. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Being in a community group, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes initiative, right? And, and don't get me wrong. We are a very imperfect family here with a lot of dysfunctions, right? We, we, we have issues and baggages that we're dealing with. And if you look around, I mean, we have our fair share of like, you know, crazy uncles and weird cousins, right? Like any family does, right? And, and, uh, and so, but that's just being part of a family. And so one thing we have to understand is we're not shoppers looking around for what we want. We're a family. We are brothers and sisters sharing life together. Another image that I think captures how many people think of church is that of a restaurant, right? When you go to a restaurant, you expect to be served and waited on, right? Imagine walking into a restaurant, and as soon as you walk in, they, say, they hand you a dirty dishcloth, and they say, could you wipe down a few tables before you grab a seat? And then after you, you do that, you wipe down a few tables, you grab a seat, and then they come back to you and say, you know, if you could just head back to the kitchen uh, and, and help prepare some food for some other people, then eventually someone will come along and prepare some food for you. I mean, would you go to a restaurant like that? 
I mean, how many, how many of you would go to a restaurant like that? I, I, I mean, no, you would, right? Oh, my goodness. Great. You're like the only, I would never go to a restaurant like that, right? Uh, but this is the way that we often think of church. It's a place where we come, we sit down, we wait to be served, we are here to consume, and we are here to be fed, Sometimes when I talk to people who are kind of checking out grace and they're, they're switching churches, they're leaving their old church coming here, they will often say to me this, we want to be in a place where we can be fed more, right? Spiritually fed, right? And, and don't get me wrong, that is not a bad thing, right? It's not. But I, what I often tell them in some more subtle, gentle way is this truth that spiritual growth happens much more quickly in the kitchen than at the table. Some of us, all we do is consume and consume. I, I mean, you are spiritually obese, right? Can I say that? And, and what some of you need to do, some of us need to do, is p- push ourselves away from the table, put down the menu, and begin help serving in the kitchen, because that's what it means to be part of a church. Right? And we see this in the early church. In this passage, we read that the early church, says they gave to anybody who was in need. Right? There was a selflessness and a, and a servant heart about everything they did. And I will say this, man, can I commend you as a church? This past Christmas season, uh, we, we had some challenges. We, one of our missional partners, Hesed Community Tr- uh, Church, uh, down in Brightmoor, Detroit, one of the most impoverished na- neighborhoods in Detroit. We had this giving tree where we had people, you, we had you buy things from coats and jackets, uh, uh, um, clothes and, and game systems, and even like a, a snowblower all to donate to, to this impoverished community down in Detroit that we're partners with. Uh, and, and just this past week, I received an email from one of the pastors there. And I just want you to hear this, and this is a way to encourage you to just say, man, let's just continue in our posture of serving uh, others. This is the email that Mark Van Andel, one of the pastors there, sent me. He said, you know, we are so grateful for the investment that Grace Ann Arbor made into our Hesed community this Christmas. Here's a few glimpses into the gifts that Grace Ann Arbor has given to Hesed. One, a man in our discipleship group who has his own, uh, his own snow removal business will be using the snowblower to keep the sidewalks and drive at Hesed clear, as well as giving him a way to make more money from his business. Now, you have to understand, this is a place where unemployment is rampant, right? Here's another cool story. The per- I, I don't know who it was, but the person who, who donated the, uh, who bought this brand new snowblower, Right? They, they bought it at the store, and, and they, were, they, they, uh, they asked the store if they could deliver it here to Grace, and they said, no, we can't do that. And so this person went out and rented, I mean, and the snowblower is huge. It's like this big. They went out and rented a U-Haul, put that snowblower on there along, I think they also got like a basketball net, and dropped it off here at Grace so that we could give it to, uh, get to, to the people down at Hesse Community Church. I mean, this is the kind of generosity and selflessness that I think marks the church. Mark goes on in this email, two of our discipleship groups also went throughout the neighborhood last week, distributing the gift cards to neighbors and telling them that God loves them. I was able to drive a pregnant woman to Myers today for her to provide some groceries for her and father from a gift card from Grayson Arbor. We quickly distributed the space heaters to families who do not have a furnace in their home. 
right? Man, good timing, especially with this, you know, polar blast here. We've been handing out socks, winter coats, hats, gloves to people this week. One man who has been in need and out of the hospital recently was walking around today in a hooded sweatshirt, and we were able to outfit him with an incredibly warm car hat, Carhartt jacket, gloves, and a hat. Josh, our house supervisor, had felt the Lord's leading last month to give away his game system to a young man in the neighborhood. When the new one was donated to the house, Josh felt that the Lord was honoring his generosity by providing for his desires. The basketball hoop will probably stay in the garage for a couple months, but will get plenty of use come spring. And he closes by saying, may grace continue to be blessed to be a blessing. Right? These are the kinds of opportunities that will just continue to grow as a church. And, and we will not be able to meet those kinds of needs as long as we see ourselves as consumers. Right? And so we are not consumers we, who are waiting to be served. We are servants looking to point people to Jesus. Another image um, that I think we often think of when it comes to uh, church is that of a gas station. You pull into a gas station once a week, you get your fill up, it's a quick trip, you come in, get filled up, you head back out, and, and you know, at least for me, you don't think about it until your gauge gets low again. And so some of us kind of approach church the same way. You come here, get your Bible fix, your spiritual fill for the week, you head out, and then you don't think much about it until your gauge gets low. And then you come back in to get your, you know, your weekly fix or whatever. But that is so different from how the early church was described. In verse 46, it says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love those two words, glad and sincere hearts. In other words, they were joyful and authentic, which is interesting because those are not two words that are often used when you talk to somebody who, who, who doesn't go to church about Christians, right? Often the words that are used to describe Christians are what? Judgmental, hypocritical. And so our prayer is that we would become this kind of church, a, a, fa- a community of family members who, who, uh, that, that is joyful and authentic. And it says they met, met every single day. I mean, that doesn't mean that we come here every single day. It does mean that we are the church every single day, no matter where we are at, right? We often think of the church as a place you go to, but the church isn't so much a building. This building is not the church. This place, this service is not the church. The church is primarily, uh, we, the people, we are the church, right? So church is not a building. Church is not a place we go. The church is a community that we become. And so it's more than just some place you come once a week to get your fill. One last image that I think compares and contrasts what the book of Acts talks about. I think one last image that might help us that I think we often think of the church as is a fitness center. How many of you since the new year have, start, have started working out? Oh, come on. <laughs> the rest of you are liars, right? Now, you might think, wait a second, the gym is a place where people go to get in shape, right? Uh, Well, not really. That's true for for the first two weeks in January, but that is not true when you look at the rest of the year, right? If you do a little research, you will find that most people who go to the gym are people who are already in shape. They just want to stay in shape. Right? And, and there are plenty of us who have gym memberships who don't go, 
but the majority of people who go to gyms are people who, who are already in shape. And I think it, it can be really easy for us as a church to think, man, especially, and I hear this all the time from people outside the church, you know, I, I, I don't go to church because the people in church have it all together. A number of years ago, when uh, our family d- decided to uh, join a gym, there are a couple gyms that we checked out, and, and most of them, uh, like there's one up here by uh, Washtenaw Community College, um, like you go to them, and, and I mean, the, the machines are awesome, and the facilities are great, but everybody inside those facilities looks like that guy, like doing, doing that thing there, right? And, and you walk in, and you're like intimidated, right? That shows how much I go, right? And you're just like, and like everybody has like these sleek, built bodies, and you walk in there and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't fit in. So one of the places that we went to, and we're still members there, is the local rec center here in in Washtenaw County. And uh, the moment we walked in there, my wife Amy fell in love with the place. The average age of the person who goes to the rec center is like 65, right? So when you will go walking around the walking track, right, I mean, you could be walking like at three miles an hour and you're just like burning it up because there, there's all these like people who are like, oh, you know, and, and we love it. I'll, I'll tell you what, that rec center is, is, I see tons of people like us who, who are not in shape but wanting to get in shape. We can ease so easily turn church into this kind of rec center or, or this kind of fitness gym where somebody comes in, where we come here and we look all impressive. We, we want to impress other people and we want everybody to think that we're in shape. But you know what? We're not in shape. And all of us, including myself, are on a journey here. But sometimes people come in here, they look around. They look around at you. Man, everybody looks so nice. They're well-dressed. They seem to have it all together, right? And they think, man, they are all spiritually fit. The truth is, we just all look like it, but we're really not. My prayer is that as a community, uh, we, we, we would be a, a people and a place where anybody could come and know that they are welcomed and accepted and loved and wanted. And I love what, how, how this passage ends. It says in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. In other words, the church was a place where pe- the outsiders were constantly becoming insiders. People knew they could come here without having all their stuff together in their life. And so I hope and pray that this is true of us as a church in this new year. Let me just close with one, uh, one more email that I received uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and, and let me just say this. This email echoes so much of what I hear day in, week in and week out of people who are part of this church uh, and I'm sharing this one email because I think it represents so much of the heart uh, of who we are and who we continue to want to be and the hopes uh, of what we want to offer to the city of Ann Arbor. So this person emails me and um, was referencing a, a, a specific sermon that we shared a, a number of weeks ago where uh, a young woman, Heather, who uh, was uh, um, um, born a woman, was tra- uh, transgender, transitioning to a man, and now was transitioning back into a female. Uh, long story short, you could go listen to the podcast. I think it's on December 17th. But in response to that, this young woman uh, emailed me to pass this message on to Heather, and, and I want to just share it with you here today. She wrote this. 
I grew up in the church and have identified as a Christian my entire life, but I've been living in brokenness over the past six years. Six years ago, I made some life choices that some of my Christian friends did not agree with, and I was judged and criticized. Thankfully, my Christian parents have been loving and accepting through it all, but I have not wanted to join a church community since. I just moved to Ann Arbor in July and have wanted to find a church here. I've been attending some services at Grace and have been hesitant to join a community group in fear that I can't be fully honest and open with my story because it isn't Christian enough. But if I can't be honest then, I don't want to join because the point of the gospel is forgiveness and freedom. But so many churches have such a hard time at truly living that out and so I've begun to doubt that God and this forgiveness thing is real. That compounded with the unloving way so many Christians in our country act and all the pain and suffering of so many people worldwide, my heart has hardened towards God. I see more heartache, brokenness, and injustice than I see his goodness and unconditional love. Is he really there? You shared about true love and acceptance happening at Grace Church, no matter what our story or baggage might be. Your story gives me hope and cuts through the brokenness that I've been trying to hide and live with. If you can be open and accepted for who you are at Grace, then maybe I and others can too. I'm not looking for a perfect community, but a place where people can be real and loved. If Grace doesn't categorize people as us and them on the other side, but as a truly loving community, then maybe... Maybe God's love is more powerful than all the brokenness in this world. Yeah, you can clap about that, right? That is the prayer that we, and the hope that we want to continue to live into as a church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me? And so, God, as your gathered people, first of all, we give you thanks because as we are reminded that you are the audience today, that we sing these songs, that we hear your word, and we gather together because of you. And so, God, uh, would you help us continue to grow as a family, to be stronger, to be brothers and sisters in Christ? And and would you just, uh, just, uh, just... Give passion in our hearts that we might live this life with joy and with authenticity, that those around us would see the kind of life that we live and just really be curious. And God, as a community, would we be the kind of community that echoes this first church in Acts chapter 2? That is our prayer. That is our hope. And we can only do this by your grace and because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's in your name that we pray all of these things. Amen.